Hi, this is Ted Hager from Novell Open Audio. We're currently in our Winterim shutdown. We'll start our 2007 season in the beginning of February. Until then, we're providing a bunch of mini-episodes, short interviews with various people that you may have heard of on Novell Open Audio before. They're giving us updates, tips, tricks, various other things. And here's one right now. For this episode in our Winterim series, we have both Randy and Dave from our News from Support segment. Guys, welcome. Hey, hey. Thank you. Good to be here. I have a question that I wanted to ask you guys and just get you guys to maybe do a little talking on. This is something we haven't really covered in News from Support at any point, but a lot of customers are very technical. They only call support when it is to the wall that they absolutely have to have things going on uh, for support. they got to get back online. Uh, money is being burned by a system being out and things. They've gone through the TIDs. They've Googled everything. You guys aren't the frontline guys, right? You guys don't yep. answer the phone. There's somebody that's going to screen through all of the different things with the customer and do the pre-qualification pre, uh, or pre-resolution stuff, and that ends up escalating to somebody and then to somebody and then to you guys, right? So you guys are kind of a last stop? Well, we're actually the second level and the last stop. If... Uh the problem is not uh, soluble right at the, the front line. It comes to us as an escalation. Okay, so then in that case, when you guys have an incident come to you, and I know you guys handle like huge financial corporations and things like that, how, how do you guys actually, what's, what's your way of getting a system back online fast? What are some of the things that maybe a customer doesn't expect that you guys are going to be able to do that you guys do in the support process? There are a lot of diagnosis methods we can use. Uh, one of the simplest one is uh, if you take the CD, the first CD off the, uh, the media, um, the install media, you can boot from it. It will let you mount and uh, investigate configuration and file systems on a, a dying host. But other times it's just instinct. You get a feel for the problem description and you can tell there's a hardware issue. You can tell there's a software issue. Sometimes it's just managing configuration and more often than not, what it comes to is can we have remote access? Okay, and remote access meaning that you guys are actually from here in Utah where you guys work. You guys are taking command of their system. If I put Generally, it it's from our home when we're in our jammies <laughs> and we're working on our lappy over our Wi-Fi network encrypted. Because you then, guys are, then we get access to their. Because you guys are on, you guys are actually on call a lot of times, right? That's right. Yes. Yep. Okay. So in in a case like that, though, um, you know, you guys deal with large financial corporations who would prefer us not to name them. I'm sure on Novell Open Audio. But you guys, I mean, there's confidential information, there's all the customer identity protection, there's financial information, all that kind of stuff. How, how in the world can you guys actually take command of a system and have that be okay through various policies in financial and other types of organizations that need high security? Would that be before or after we sign the NDA? Okay, that's so, so, so you guys are on a lot of times agreements with those customers when you do this kind of remoting in. That's very much implied in the um, support contracts. But there, there are cases where uh, legal issues, policy issues, 
prohibit remote access completely, and those ones um, we respect completely. Where it's possible, then often we have to make a case, sometimes there's a paper procedure that must be followed to give us access, but we have lots of different methods that uh, we can use to gain remote access, and they can permit the customer varying degrees of control over what it is we actually do. At the uh, most uh, secure level, I would guess, we can have the customer start a web browser, go to a website, and it will expose their current screen from their desktop back to us, and we're looking at the same screen through a web browser. There's uh, only HTTP outgoing connections. There's no uh, ports open to their network. They see what we see. At the extreme end of it, uh, customers can give us uh, TCP access, SSH, for example, right into a problem system. And I'm working on a couple of cases right now where we have that kind of access. It comes down to a matter of trust. Uh, we understand that there are um, substantial concerns there, but we have that broad set of capabilities. So as I said, there are many different ways we can go about giving remote access or requesting remote access, and we can put a lot of the control in the customer's hands. When you say that uh, you can actually do this method where the screen that you see is the screen that the customer sees in this case, that means that if, if you're in a situation like that, you can't open up a back-end screen or do anything else. You're, you're just using, it's like a VNC session or yep. something like that. And in a case like that, that allows the customer to have their own people there, a couple people possibly auditing. You can actually tell them, okay, I'm going to do this now. Is this a good time to do that? and those kind of things as you're working on solving the problem. So there can be a certain amount of non-repudiation yes. because there are witnesses. Right? And we That's can right. do that both through the, the web browser interface as well as through the SSH inter um, interaction as well. And, and frankly, you're going to find from our team that a lot of the requests are for SSH access just because that's not only the most convenient, it's the most powerful method for uh, accessing and diagnosing problems. Now, in a case where you have SSH access, though, that means that the customer is not necessarily able to see what you're doing at the time, correct? That's correct, but there are ways around even that. Customer can give us uh, low uh, permission access to a system. We log in with those low permissions and have no utility. Run the screen program, which lets the customer then... Uh, connect their console to ours, they can run SU to uh, make us root and then see what we're doing. So they gave us controlled access, uh, low permissions, they were in control and can see what we're doing, but uh, we're still using SSH, which is often more convenient for us. And suffice it to say that the root password there, they were able to key in and it's obfuscated from us. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we yeah. don't see anything. There. That makes complete sense. So, um, all right. So in, in other situations, though, I imagine, um, do you have any customers that just sort of when you're working on a problem that is one of these real buggers of problems where you can't get it resolved right away and it's an intermittent thing where you have to know or you have to just work on it when the problem occurs? Do you ever have just like open access with a customer during a, a support incident? where you're just going back in whenever the problem is occurring? Open in the sense that available to me, not open in the sense that uh, anyone can get access. I can give a customer an IP address and say, I am going to be coming from this IP address all the time. I can give a customer a public key for um, a key pair that uh, will give me root access without them revealing the password. I can put my own uh, passphrase 
on that key so that I know a password that's not their root password, but I can have root access to that system from a fixed IP address. They have control right down to uh, a very low level of detail. That's uh, pretty amazing that there's all these different methods that you guys can actually use. Do you end up with, uh, at any point, well, let me ask this one a different way. Any good examples of this kind of thing that are going on at this time without naming any customer names? But, I mean, do you have any interesting ones that are currently going on that you guys are working on that uh, are kind of bugging you? I had one just recently where we had a customer whose mail servers were their, – their load average was just completely spiking at certain times during the day at a given time every single night. And we'd been troubleshooting it for – a month and a half, and finally asked for remote access, and they said, absolutely, here you go. We were online at the time that uh, just prior to where when it was supposed to happen with actually one of the engineers over in Nuremberg, and he was just preparing to, to VPN into their uh, firewall and then get SSH access from there into the system. And they they just said, yep, have at it. Go look at it. And the spike happened while you guys – did you guys get to actually watch the spike happen? In this particular case, they found out a half an hour prior to us getting remote access, they found out what the problem was. And it was one of their own guys spamming people from their mail service. <laughs> no, right it was now. a suggestion that we had made previously. Oh, really? Okay. So you guys got to pat yourselves in the back, and you probably have to control yourself from acting too smug with the customer, right? All right. Um, any other uh, examples? Dave, yeah, you must I'm have working one. on one right now where I have access to two servers using the public key method that I described. And last night uh, we uh, had found a problem and we said to the customer, we'd like to make a configuration change to resolve uh, an obvious stability problem that we have on a cluster. And uh, there's going to be a reboot involved. Can we work with you? They said yes. We expected a five-minute uh, call to uh, reconfigure the server and do the reboot. And one of my colleagues, Justin Mortensen, he spent three and a half hours diagnosing a whole series of uh, cluster-related problems on that server remotely while he was logged in to that customer from a, a system inside Novell's network that he was accessing from home. Really? Wow. And so he resolved a whole bunch of different stuff? Seven issues. Seven issues. Did they end up only having one support charge co counted against them? No comment. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thanks. I, I wanted to just get a little bit of back-end stuff here, and I think that, that lets uh, some of our listeners see what you guys do in support and some of the ways that you guys interact with customers, and that's really cool. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you.